We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to worship, everybody. So we begin this morning and just get our hearts and minds ready to worship this great God. Let me call your attention to our call to worship scripture from Psalm 104, 31 to 34. You follow along and you get ready to worship. Let the glory of the Lord endure forever. Let the Lord be glad in his works. He looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Let my meditation be pleasing to him. As for me, I shall be glad in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let us sing his praise as long as we live. Let us be glad in the Lord. Take your hymnals. Let's turn to hymn 16. Oh, worship the King. Standing together. Thank you. 
take a moment to welcome those around you in worship this morning. Welcome to worship. We are grateful that you are here with us at First Baptist Church. This is a good place to be. If you're a visitor this morning, a guest with us, we would love you to take note of these cards. They should be in the pew back in front of you. And this is how we get to know you. This is how we get to know your name. So if you would, would you please fill that out and put it in the offering plate at the end of the service. The, the opposite side, you'll see room for prayer requests and some of the things that we expect of our church. Um, please take note of that. You know, as we get to, to worship today and as we look forward to the supper, we are reminded that we can never repay our God. For all that God has done for us, for all of the ways that God has stood with us, we will never be able to repay Him. In fact, if, if He never does another thing for us ever again, we are not capable of repaying all of the good that He has done in this world, in our hearts, and in our lives. You know, that's why we gather. That's why we gather in this place to worship Him. That's our response back to him, to praise his holy name because we could never repay the work that he has done. In fact, one of the ways that, that he called for us to, to remember that work, that work that we cannot repay, one of the ways that God asked us to remember is to come together around the table and share a meal with the Christ and the church to remember every good thing that he did for us. And so that's what we do today. We worship and we remember. We worship and we remember the Lord who loved us dearly and gave it all for us. Gave it all for this church and the churches across the globe. Let's pray together. Lord, we are forever grateful for your eternal work. A work that is unmatched and holy and we, as we gather in this place, Lord, we pray that our hearts would be stirred in a new way for you in remembrance of your work. Bring to mind throughout this service the work of the gospel and the power of the cross. May we remember those days and times that, Lord, you came and you touched each one of our lives as only you can. Help us to remember well in this service together. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Continue with our scripture reading in the book of Psalms, this time 107, verses 1 through 6, as we continue to, to in our worship service. Follow along as I read, and again, just rejoice with this text. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the south, 
and from the north and from the south, east and west, north and south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distresses. Let's continue now to sing what a friend we have in Jesus. Hymn 182. Stand together. Let's sing. And children, come on down. Come meet me right here. And as they do, we want to welcome our TV congregation. Grateful that you are a part of our church. Part of this time together. All right, come on down. Good morning. Good, morning. Good to see y'all. Good morning. All right. I think we just about got everybody. Good. Come on down. All right. So good to see everybody this morning. We're glad you're here. 
want you to notice today, you'll see we've, we've got our special meal that we do every month. It's sitting right over there on the table. You see right there? We're going to have together at the end of the service. Now, before we get to that, we're going to talk about that in a minute. I want to ask you, what is your favorite meal of the day? What's your, what's your favorite meal? You can just say it out. Say it out. What is it? Dinner. Dinner. dinner lunch. Breakfast. Breakfast. Lunch. Dinner. What? Cereal. Cereal. Oh, that's, a, that's the perfect one. That's right. All right. How many of you think breakfast is the best meal of the day? How many? Ooh, we're very, very low on, but yes, cereal fits there. That's right. Good job. That's right. How many of you, all right, put your hands down. How many of you think lunch is the best meal of the day? Oh, I think there's more lunch than breakfast. I think that's right. All right, put your hands down. All right, now last one. How many of you think uh, dinner is the best meal of the day? Uh, I think lunch won. Did lunch win? Is that, did, some, did, did some of you vote twice? How, may, how many of you voted twice? He voted three times? Oh, my goodness. We're fa- All right, so let's think. Think about your favorite meal. Think about your cereal, right? Think about your favorite meal that you're going to have, whatever that's going to be, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, whichever it is. We, we always should do a couple of things to get ready for, for our, our meal. What are some of the things? What do you do to get ready to eat? Do you do, you do Wash anything? Your Wash your hands. That's right. Good job. What? And get soap. Get soap. That's right. What else do you do? Yeah, go ahead. Wash your hands. Pray. That's, that's right. We're going to wash our hands. We're going to pray. That's right. What else? What do we do? Put your napkin in your lap. Put your napkin. Oh, you're so polite. Look at Put your napkin in your lap. That's right. And, and you can also put your napkin. You can also put your napkin here. That's right. Yeah. Oh, you do have to cook the food, right? Thankfully, yeah. uh, a lot of us have, have just cereal you don't have to cook, do you? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. What? Anything else? What, what do you have to do? Yeah, you got to put the food on the plate, right? So we got to cook the food. We got to prepare the food. We got to wash our hands. We got to pray. Then you get something that you like. Then you get something you like. And potatoes. That's right. And what else? And French fries have potatoes in it. That's right. Now, I'd say all of this. Now, we do have a reason for all of this, right? French fries have potatoes in it. They do. That's right. So we're going to have a meal together in just a minute. I mean, excuse me, at the end of the service. So those are part of the meal. One of the things that you need to know about this special meal that we always take together in church is that you have to prepare and you have to get ready for this meal. And we get, we get uh, prepared in similar ways that we do a breakfast, lunch, or dinner. You know, like we wash our hands, we pray, those kinds of things. We do the same thing for this. But one of the things that you have to be ready to take this meal that we do, you have to have accepted Christ into your heart And maybe that means baptism. Usually it means you've been baptized and you've accepted Christ. And once you've done that, you also need to spend some time asking God for forgiveness of the things you've done wrong. And so it's kind of like cleaning your heart, kind of like you wash your hands, right? And so you pray asking God to cleanse your heart. And so we want everybody to be aware, including all of you, when we take the meal into the service, to take it, make sure you're ready. Make sure you've accepted Christ as your Savior. Make sure you've cleansed your heart as you need to. And if you haven't yet, you can wait. Okay? And if you haven't done that, wait until you have before you take this meal another time. Okay? Let's pray and we'll continue our service. Father, we thank you for time together. Lord, we thank you for this meal you have prepared for us. We pray that we would take it um, as your sweet children, redeemed and holy, because you are good.
It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank y'all. Good job. To be clear, and I think there's one young man that will affirm this, cereal is for every part of the day. Oh. <laughs> cereal works at every meal. We read this week in the scripture, and I hope that you have, I hope that you have taken this, this short passage and just lived with it all week long, prayed over it, learned from it, grown in it. One of the things that, that Paul is praying for this church is that they will grow in the knowledge of God, of his will, of his spirit. And if we do that, Matthew Henry would say that we need to, we need to walk like we understand who God has called us to be. We need to live for Jesus. Let's take this as we prepare to hear what the pastor has to say to us today by the God's spirit. Let us sing, Living for Jesus, hymn 282, Stand Together.
Amen. Before we get to the text today, we need to do a little stretching. We've got to do a, a warm-up um, to get to the text. The, the reason why we do and, the, and where we are is that there are some things that bear repeating. Things of the utmost importance that we need to say over and over and over again until they become a part of who we are. It's part of building a culture. And that's exactly what we're doing here. We're building a culture that's built upon the sure foundation of the fundamentals of Scripture. It's like shooting a free throw. These kinds of things must become automatic. And our walk through the Scripture together begins and ends with repentance. And a couple of years ago, I read through the entire Bible with a red pen and underlining every time the theme of repentance showed up in the text. And as I began to underline in red, every time the theme of repentance showed up in text, the pages of Scripture were filled with red, like the whole text were the words of Jesus Christ. You see, our, our continued, our initial, uh, all of our response to the Word of God is to be a repentant people. It's our DNA. It, it is uh, this, this large part of the Christian walk that we walk. And so we need to walk through these texts again together. And I want you to be careful to take notes. And we need to take good detailed notes, not just listening, but listening and taking notes so that you can repeat them back. Because the things that, that we are going over in these moments, the scriptures that we are about to, to walk through together, you need to be able to repeat often, off the tip of your tongue. And that's why we need to work through this again. Because this is what we need to be able to know and to share. You see, in fact, this is, this is good practice for you to even repeat this this week. Maybe taking the time to have a perfect gospel conversation around these kinds of things. In fact, there may be a time this week where you have a lull when it would be the perfect opportunity to ask, can I share what my pastor said this week? And everything begins and ends in repentance. And let me tell you why. Let me show you why. We've got a few texts we're going to put up on the screens. We're going to start with Isaiah 59, verse 2. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. It's the sin in our lives. It's the places where we have failed. It's these moments where we have declared treason upon our God, where we have separated ourselves from our God because of the sin, because of the, the, um, the things that we have done in our lives that we should not have done, have separated us from our God. Your sins, we continue on, the, the second part of that verse, your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. It is as if our prayers hit the ceiling and comes back down uh, upon us. When we are feeling distant from our Lord, when we are feeling like th there is no conversation between us and God, when we can't muster up any strength or any kind of, of spiritual hope, so look back to Isaiah 59.2. It is our sin, it is the iniquity of our lives that separate us from our God. Even if we go back to the beginning, we go back to Genesis and we see Adam in the garden. It was one sin. 
one failure that moved him away from his God and took him and Eve out of the garden. One sin separating us from our Lord. But we do have a remedy for that, right? Because this is what sin does. It pulls us apart from God. It separates us from him. But there is hope and a plan for restoration. And that's where we move to repentance. Let's look at the second scripture. Matthew 4, 17. This is the first word of Jesus' ministry. And you need to be able to repeat this with me. See, when we get to Matthew 4, Jesus has, has been tempted, he's been baptized, and now we move into this time of ministry. And the very first word of Jesus' ministry is a call to repentance. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying the, hev- the kingdom of heaven is coming to earth and doing a mighty work on this earth. And our response, our call to action is to be a repentant people. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's the first words of Jesus' ministry. Let's move to the, the next scripture. Now we move into Acts 2. This is this moment of Pentecost. It's the moment of the Holy Spirit coming upon the church. Peter is preaching a mighty sermon at Pentecost. The, the church is filling with people and filling up with the Holy Spirit. And as all of this is happening, as people are responding to the sermon, they, they, they ask Peter, what do we do? How do we respond? And at this moment of the Holy Spirit coming upon the church, it says they heard this, they were pierced in their hearts, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what do we do? And Peter said to them what? Repent. Repent, each one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins so that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Our response as we are moved, as God stirs in our heart, right, as we are pierced to the heart with the word of God, our response is to be on our knees in repentance before the Lord. To say, I have sinned, Father, forgive me. Let's keep going. So that's Peter. Now let's move to Acts 26. This is Paul. He's been in prison a number of times. But one of the times, Paul is in prison. He's brought him before King Agrippa and he's saying, you have just turned the world upside down. Every city you go into, there is this, this firestorm of the gospel. And every city is just, just um, turned upside down. And they don't know what to do with themselves after you visit them. When you go into these cities and you've gone all across the region, what are you saying to them? And this is his response to King Agrippa. He says, what, what is happening? What are you telling people? And so King Agrippa... This is Paul talking. So King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. The kingdom of heaven is upon us. We have a work to do. So Paul said, I, 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 I was not disobedient. I was obedient to that vision. But I kept declaring both to those of Damascus first, also at Jerusalem, then throughout all the region of Judea, even to the Gentiles, that they should what? That they should repent Turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. So we see as we move through the, the first word of Jesus' ministry, the first word of the Holy Spirit coming in, and Peter's preaching, Paul explaining his ministry, what he preaches to his people, it all comes to our response in repentance on our knees before the Lord saying, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. Let's look at one more. We started this last week. Acts 3.19, this is Jesus speaking in the book of Revelation. We come to Revelation hoping to find some kind of picture of the future. And Jesus gives us that picture of the future. In fact, he tells us what to do. So as you look, there's letters to churches written there in the words of Christ in the book of Revelation. This is the end, right? This is the end of the story. And from the beginning of Jesus' ministry to the end of the story in the book of Revelation, he says the very same thing to five of the churches that he writes the, the letters to. He says, repent. 
Talk about last week, Ephesus and Sardis, uh, on the other side of Colossians, to both of them, uh, he says, repent. And then this is Laodicea. This is the last letter, Revelation 3, 19. Jesus says, those whom I love, I reprove and I discipline. Church, be zealous and repent. Right? It, it's, it's the same word that continues. It, it defines who we are. It defines who we're becoming as a church, that we are a repentant people. Now, I say all of that to, to let us stretch a little bit, to let us hear that again, because we need to be able to repeat this. It's not going to be the last time you hear me say this. You have to be able to repeat this with me. And so we're, we're stretching this out, and it gives us exactly what we need to have our conversation around Colossians 1, 4 through 9. In fact, you'll have it on your listening sheets up at the top. So let's get there. Let's get to the text for today. Uh, stand with me. Let's stand, and we're going to read this aloud together. Colossians 1, 9 through 14. This then is the text for today. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." May God bless the reading of his word. Now, did you, did you hear that hope? All throughout this text, there are promises of God. Promises that God has already worked. Promises that God has already been about on this earth and in our presence. In fact, there are all of these promises set here before us, and they are stored up for the repentant. We're going to go through this text. I want you to see all these things that God does for us. In fact, we'll start in verse 9. And we'll start here with Paul's prayer as he prays over the, the church, Colossae. See, to the repentant, God fills them up. God fills them up with his spirit. God fills them up with his wisdom. God fills them up with his knowledge and his understanding. In fact, as we set this up, we, we see the contrast to this. That on our own, we are emptied. On our own, we begin to be drained of life. On our own, we begin to be separated from God and torn apart into nothingness. But to the repentant, God fills them up and brings a new life we are not capable of on our own. And to, to the repentant, God, God, God fills them up with the spirit and wisdom and knowledge and so when, when God steps into our world that way, when, when God begins to fill us up in that holy manner, capacity is out the window. In fact, this, this is what I mean. It doesn't matter how much you've done. It doesn't matter how much you are capable of. It doesn't matter how much you know or even capable of knowing. Because what our God does in the promise to be filled up is that God will fill you up with everything that you need. 
and everything that you need in this life and everything that you need to live your life in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. To live your life to its fullest, God will give you everything that you possibly need. It's not a matter of how much you're capable of. It's a matter of how much the creator of the universe is capable of. And he is capable of a mighty work in you, you as an individual, and in this church as a whole. And so God is going to continue to fill us up with everything that we need. And this happens right now. This, this is for us today. This is for you today. That we can know the ways of the King of Kings. That we can discern the holy will of our Father in heaven. You see, that in this filling up, we, we gain a knowledge of the gospel that prepares you for everything that is to come. You see, I think part of the issue that we have is, is some of us believe we need so much more than we actually need for the future. What we're reminded here in the scripture is, is that God, God fills us up with a knowledge and wisdom of the gospel that gives us everything that we need for the days that are to come. And so what that means for us, that, that we have no need to worry. In fact, we need to stop our worrying about the next big idea. It doesn't, doesn't matter where the next big idea is coming from because you will be filled with the power of our God. You see, we get, we get worried about what is next and what's going to fill our calendar next. And we get worried about where the next dollar is going to come from or where the, the next thought is going to come from or the next relationship is going to come from. And all of it belongs to the Lord. There's no sense for us to ever worry again about the days ahead. Or about what's next for us. Because our God, who stands above time, who can see yesterday, today, and forever, holds your future in his hand. He can already see what's coming next and has prepared now for what is next. God is, is taking care of you and filling you up in ways that you're not capable on your own. And so to the repentant, God fills us up. As we keep moving down from verse 9 and then we move into verse 12, to the repentant, God qualifies. So at the heart of this, God qualifying us means that when you ask God for forgiveness, he, recognize that he recognizes that price has already been paid. That you have already been qualified. That the Son, Jesus Christ, has gone to the cross for your sins and that means your debt has been paid. Your life is now sufficient and holy. Your, your life is of a new character in the person of Jesus Christ. And so that means for us, because when we are repentant and we are qualified, we, we are qualified into this new access to God where we can enter into his presence. Not because we're able, not because we're capable to enter his presence, but because he is good. You see, we never in a million years should be allowed near the throne of God for our faults. Yet God has qualified us and led us into his presence now and forevermore. And understand something here. See, by the grace of God, this is more than just an appointment with the king. Our being qualified here it means more than just getting our foot in the door of heaven. Because on occasion, we start to think that that's what it means to be qualified here. That we can get our foot in the door of heaven and then somehow we can work our way up to being near God on some occasion. 
But that's not true. That's not what the scripture is pointing to. The scripture is pointing to the fact that we, as we are qualified, another, another way that we can read this is that we are becoming adopted into the family of God. We become sons and daughters of God. You see, we become the story of the prodigal son or prodigal daughter. That God fully adopts us as his children so that we even gain the inheritance of Christ. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Jesus Christ who longs to share his inheritance with you. This is what it means that we are qualified. That you are are qualified in coming into the family and God wraps his arm around you like you are his long lost son or daughter. Welcoming you back into the fold. To the repentant, God qualifies so this is, this is what happens, right? As we are repentant, God, God fills us up with his knowledge. As we are repentant, God qualifies us as his son or daughter. And to the repentant, God rescues. So this is coming into, now we move into verse 13. It's kind of like this. When you, when you look at our planet from outer space, so if you see these, these pictures from a space station or a satellite that look back down upon the earth, It's glowing with life. The vibrant blues and green covering the earth are brilliant. But the the closer you come in, so you, you move from the satellite and you come in down to the earth and you get to ground level. The closer you come, the more you realize this planet is covered in darkness. Every corner producing another shadow of betrayal and anger and death. Humanity cannot get out of its own way. Nor has it been able to do so. Ever. But here's our God. Looking down from above with great hope. Right In every moment of humiliation, God rescues the repentant. In every broken heart, God rescues the repentant. Every time you feel like a tornado has ripped through your life, God rescues the repentant. God reaches down out of heaven and pulls us up out of the mud. Our God is a rescuer. That's what he does. And as you begin to move from 13 into 14... This rescue becomes a transfer. So, so the rescue isn't just a, a temporary relief, right? But this rescue is permanent relief. It's a rescue out of the suffering of this world and into the glory of the kingdom of the beloved son. You have been transferred out of the domain of darkness, the tyranny of evil on this earth, and you're transferred out of that into the kingdom of the beloved son of God. That we are now brought out of the darkness and into the light. Another way that scripture pictures this transfer, another image that we have in this transfer from out of the darkness into the light is is the story and picture of redemption. A purchase out of slavery is what that word means. And so you see, so we move from, from Genesis, right, and Adam, Eve, and the garden. Then we move into the book of Exodus. And you see there in Exodus, God's children 
are caught in slavery under the hand of Pharaoh. They're, they're, they're caught. And in that, they need to be rescued and brought out. And that's the story in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, God's children are brought out of that Egyptian slavery and taken into the promised land. And God said, I have a hope for you that's much greater than what you're experiencing today. God said, I, I have a place for you and a time for you that's outside of the suffering that you know today. That I'm going to rescue you out and transfer you into the kingdom of God that is here and today. The kingdom of heaven that we can know now and we will see in eternity. You see, we, we are caught up in darkness, slaves to sin, and our Lord paid the price for us to be freed from the bondage of flesh and brought into the kingdom of heaven. You see, this is the story of God. This is the story of the scriptures unfolding. God saving his children out of the slavery in Egypt. God slavering, uh, excuse me, God saving his children out of the bondage in Babylon. God has a history of fighting for his children. God sla uh, saving his children from the slavery to sin over and over again from the Old Testament to the New. See, God has a history of fighting for his children, of rescuing the repentant. And our God is fighting this morning, fighting for the church and fighting for you, doing a mighty work to transfer you out of whatever mess you've gotten yourself into to bring you home into the kingdom of God. Like the story of that prodigal out wallowing in the filth who one day comes to his senses, the moment of repentance, and comes running back to his heavenly father. God say, I'm fighting for you this very morning to bring you back into that kingdom of light. And so you see all through this text, verses 9 through 14, the promise of our God. The promise that to the repentant God fills. To the repentant God qualifies. To the repentant God rescues. To the repentant God transfers. And all of this is done. Not because of, of who we are or what we do. But through the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So we don't need to make a mistake here about how and where and why this is happening. That this intersection of our life with the holiness of God happens at the crucifixion. You see, that was the moment. God's perfect plan for his work in us and with us came at the cross. Right, and, and, and that, that Easter weekend God made us right and holy. Gave us the opportunity to be repentant. And see, that's what we come to this morning. We come to commemorate that lasting sacrifice through the supper. See, our lives separate from God brought into these promises of God through the cross of Jesus Christ. He made it right. He made us holy. And so we worship and we celebrate him. And we'll never be able to repay what he did. But we can do what he asked us to do. We can be obedient to what he called us to do. Like being repentant. Like going to share the story and witness. And very specifically, Jesus said to commemorate that work on the cross with a meal.
a simple meal. The bread and the cup. That can be taken anywhere. Given to anyone ready to receive it. For all the time that's yet to come. And so that's what we do. We're going to continue in that tradition that's been handed down to us for 2,000 years that churches all over the globe are doing. We're going to do it with them. And we're going to do it with our Lord. So deacons come and prepare the table as we prepare our hearts. So like we spoke of in the children's sermon and like we hear in 1 Corinthians, we are not to take of this meal unless we are ready. We have been made worthy by the blood of the Lamb. So one of the things that, that we do to prepare our hearts for this is to have a, a moment of prayer and a moment of repentance. Say, Lord, prepare my heart for the meal that we are about to take. Lord, forgive me for the ways that I did not walk worthily unto you in this last week. So as we think back over a week in the ways that we were not worthy of our Lord, let's ask him now for forgiveness. So let's pray together in silence and then I'll close us in a prayer. Lord, forgive us for where we have failed you this week and this last month. We offer our hearts to you for healing and for cleansing. Lord, as a church, make us holy, complete by the work of your Spirit. As we take of these elements, Lord, make us holy. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Deacons, come and serve the bread.
the night Jesus was betrayed, he came face to face with the tyranny of darkness. And coming face to face with the tyranny of darkness, Jesus proved victorious. And he said, this is how you remember this night. And he, he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And this is what he said. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As we come to the cup, we're reminded that these elements, they cross all geographical boundaries and stand above time, representing the person and body of Jesus Christ and his work forever. Deacons, come and serve this cup.
It is his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ that restores our life. And so in the same way, he, he took the cup after supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Father, we come to this table recognizing your presence. Our Savior, Heavenly Father. And Lord, as we come before you, we pray that you would intervene in each one of our lives. Evident ways. Lasting ways that would transform us. Mold us into the image of of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. We're going to have the time of response now. And our prayer each week is that everyone in here respond to God in some way. And there's a number of ways you can do that. You may just need to journal on your listening sheet. Uh, maybe you'd like to, to come down and pray at the altar. The, we need to use the altar and use it often. So come and kneel and pray. I'll be at the front, and Brian's here. We'll, we'll pray with you and for you. We'll talk with you about accepting Christ or, or joining this church. Um, this is the time to do that. As we sing and respond, we're going to give. We're going to sing together. But all of us are going to respond to God in some way. So if you need to, remain seated. The rest, let us stand and respond to our Lord.
prepare to worship through giving, I'm going to read today's prayer prompt. Take this with you now and throughout the week. It says this, Lord, you are the one your church gathers to know. Your son, why he came, and what his coming means. Please expand our vision to pray without ceasing, like Paul, for all followers in our community, whether in this space, around the corner, down the street, or across town, to learn more and more of your powerful work through Jesus Christ, and to adjust more and more closely to your perfect and holy will, all by your grace and all for your pleasure. Amen. It is a beautiful privilege, Sedona, can I hold you? It is a beautiful privilege that we get to pray for our babies and to pray for our families and dedicate homes in this way. And so the Cobbler family bringing Sedona before us and before the Lord this morning. And, and all of this is to say that we do this together. Right, that we're in this together and the, the Lord is with us and the Lord helps us raise up our children and raise up our families and raise up this church. And so we bring Sedona. <laughs> hey, beautiful girl. 
she's very interested in what I'm saying. This is, she's very, she's, she's into this. She's ready. She's ready for the Lord. And so we're going we're gonna to lift this family up. And we're going to commit as a church to walk with them in raising this little one. And the Lord is going to walk with them in raising this little one. So let us pray for Sedona this time and the Cobbler family. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful family and their new baby girl. Lord, we pray your blessing and grace over them. Lord, we pray that you attend to Sedona as only you can. Lord, help her to grow up in the faith, to grow in the church. Lord, that she would be a perfect and beautiful woman of God. And Lord, look forward to how you're going to tend to her and take care of her. Lord, we pray the same thing over her parents. Lord, that you would, you would tend to them and nurture them, give them wisdom as they help this little one grow. And Lord, we're going to commit to be as faithful as we possibly can to this family as a church and knowing that you will too. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. I give you back to your mommy. We have one thing for you. Thank you, sir. We're grateful for y'all. We love you. Good. Yeah, she, she, she's into this. She's into this. Let me, let me move now to our, our life together. There's a few things you need to know in life together today. One of those is tonight at 6 o'clock, I need you back. We're continuing our conversation on witnessing. And this is the future of our church. And in these conversations during Time for Teaching, this is where we're describing and looking ahead into our future and what's next for us. Now, there's a couple of things that you need to be aware of for tonight at 6 o'clock because there are some changes. We, there's some good things happening, and we want you to be aware of the changes. One of those is normally we have Time for Teaching in here, in the sanctuary. But tonight, Time for Teaching is going to be in 4th Street Crossing, across the street. Um, and uh, for a number of reasons, we think it's going to be a great environment for our Time for Teaching tonight. And with that, there's a couple other changes. In the back of the room this evening, Byron Pitts and our community missions team are going to have some, some booths set up and some places where you may be able to, to talk with them about practicing your witness. And so, no, they'll be there at the end. And also, now normally we do a dessert after our time for teachings on, on Sunday night. But tonight, we, we're going all out. Tonight, we're gonna have a meal, and it's going to be uh, kind of like this walking taco bar kind of a thing. And so we hope you'll come and, and share in a meal with us tonight and, and be a part of this time for teaching tonight um, at six o'clock. So uh, also be aware, uh, this, this coming Saturday, we have a, a woman's prayer brunch that will be from 9.30 to noon where our women are going to gather together and fellowship and pray. And it is going to be a, a good time. So you'll see the, the uh, website address there. So you can look, look for that and please come and be a part of that, that women's ministry uh, if you're available on Saturday. And one more thing. On um, the first Sunday in October, so in about a month away, we are beginning our next round of area fellowships. So you may not be aware, Area Fellowships is, uh, there's four times a year where we do church across the city, where we gather in homes and we have a meal together and we, we talk about scripture together and we fellowship with one another. And it's a, it's a fantastic time together. And so you can look online or you can come out in Unity Hall where you can sign up 
and you can seek a place that's near where you live and you can begin to develop a fellowship with believers that are in your community and on your side of town. So we hope you take advantage of that. We do four of those a year and one of those, the, the first one for the fall will be in the, the first um, uh, Sunday in October. So, and lastly from me, you see these, these flowers uh, in front of me. Those are given to the glory of God um, by B.J. Grant uh, in honor of Richard's 80th birthday and their 25th wedding anniversary. So yeah, we praise God for them. Ryan, come. Church family, this morning we have coming for membership Linda Ramsey by statement from Broadway Baptist Church in Fort Worth. And also John Hughes who comes to us by statement, uh, by letter actually from another Baptist church in our city. Friends or, or um, you're near these two, you can come down and surround them in this time too. We'd love you to come near them. The whole choir can come down, yeah. <laughs> Um, if, if, you, if you look forward in walking uh, in faith with, with Linda, would you say amen? Amen. And? I love you. And same for John. If you, look, if you look forward to walking in faith with him, would you say amen? Amen. And? Love you. Love, that's right. And we, the, we will all gather at the door over there. You come by and greet them and welcome them into our family of faith. Amen. As we're dismissed, let's stand together and sing, Take the Name of Jesus with you. God bless you.
First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.